Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, February the 13th, 2023. It is currently 11.12 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Revival. Revival. It is something that you have probably heard about your entire Christian life. You have probably heard passionate sermons preaching about revival. You've probably heard Bible study lessons about revival, Sunday school lessons about revival. You've probably heard podcasts about revival, Christian radio programs about revival, maybe a documentary about revivals. You have heard about revivals in some way, shape, or form in your Christian life. And typically, revival is spoken of in the following ways. Number one, it is spoken of of something great that happened in the past. The Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, whatever, Azusa Street Revival, whichever revival at any given time, people will look back and say, and, and, and a lot of times talk about the great revivals of the past, and they do that to try to motivate a desire for that same kind of revival in the present or in the future, all right? That's, that's typically the way it works, but there's a lot of study about revival. I'm hitting the microphone. There's a lot of study about revival. Uh, there's you know, seminary classes about revival, Bible college classes about revival. There's books written on the subject. And many of those look to the revivals of the past to try to get us desiring it and to understand it and to, to seek it and, to, and to, to want that to happen again. So in some ways, revival is constantly being studied and spoken of as something that has happened in the past. Then Revival. So number two. So number one, it's spoken of of something in the past. Number two, it is spoken of something that we are to be seeking with all of our heart and with all of our soul. We should be fasting for revival, praying for revival, seeking revival with everything inside of us because revival is what the church needs. Revival is what the world needs. Revival are what Christians around the world need to experience. Revival will will ignite us. It will empower us. It will it will have us move forward and and spread the gospel around the world. We need revival. So we so number one we we speak of it, think about it, and study it as something that has happened in the past. Number two, we speak of revival as something that we are seeking in the present. We're seeking it. We're looking forward to it. We we're desiring it again. Fasting, prayer. And there's a lot and and, pre, and preaching about it, trying to get people to like we we've got to reach, we got to grab on to this this revival, all right. So there is the studying of it in the past. Number one, number two, seeking it in the present. Number three, there is the we'll call it the enjoying of revival in the present. When someone announces revival is happening right now, it's right here. Get here as fast as you can. Do whatever you got to do. Load up the car. Drive here. It's here. Jump in. Get in the middle of it. Experience it. It will change your life. Things are happening. Miracles are occurring. People are getting saved. People are repenting. It's amazing. Get here. Get here. Get here. Get here. And I and I remember hearing a lot of that at different times. We could talk about Brownsville revival, Lakeland revival. We could we can go through some of the ones where you know everybody was like, "This is it. It's happening." It's happening now. You have to get here. So we have revival spoken of. Number one, something in the past. Number two, something we're seeking in the present. Number three, something we're enjoying, something we're experiencing right now. And then number four, a a constant discussion that a great revival is coming. The greatest revival the world has ever seen. It will break out and it will spread across the entire globe and it's going to be amazing and all of these things are going to happen. I, I have some some books probably somewhere um, on this kind of talking about revival, about how, you know, God's glory is going to fill the earth and people are going to be raised from the dead and hospitals are going to be emptied out and, and miracles are going to be happening and people are going to be getting saved and people are going to be repenting and it's going to be the greatest thing the world has ever known. It's coming. So number one, revival is spoken of as something that happened in the past. Number two, something we must be seeking for. Seek it. Pray for it. Fast. Desire it. Long for it. Number three, it's here. 
and they invite you to get be a part of it and everyone will drop everything to go experience it. Or number four, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's coming. It's going to be the greatest thing that we've ever encountered in our entire lives. We should, we should be prepared for it. We should be ready for it. We should be desiring it because it's coming. Now, somewhere in your Christian life, you've encountered that kind of preaching and that kind of teaching about revival. You have, you, I know you've had to, unless you just have been, I don't know, I don't know if you've been in Christianity either. I don't know. I don't know where you've been if you've missed any discussion about revival in one of those four ways. Hey, let's, let's talk about the Great Awakening. Let's talk about this revival. Let's talk about this one. Hey, we're going to be we're going to meet every Friday night or Saturday night to pray and beg God for revival, for a move of his spirit. Or number three, it's here. Or number four, it's coming. And I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say that at different times within Christianity, certain aspects of revival seem to be move to the forefront, and that's what everyone is talking about. And then I think there's times where people are not really talking much about revival. Sometimes a new book will come out, or some sermon will go quote-unquote viral. Whatever the case may be, something will spark interest in it again, and then people will move on to something else, and then boom, it will spark interest. And I've seen these cycles where revival, revival, revival. Okay, well, let's move on. Revival, revival. Okay, let's move on. And you, I think you can, I think that you would be able to agree with that. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone could, could really disagree with anything that I have said. Revival is spoken of in these four ways. At times it's spoken of, it's at the forefront of everyone's discussion. And there's times that it seems to take a backseat and other issues are, are the focus. I think everyone can agree with that. And I've tried to speak about that in a positive way, right? I don't, I'm not saying anything negative. I'm not calling any revival into question at this point. I'm simply giving you a, a idea of how it is approached within Christianity. So I've not said anything negative at any point so far, right? Agreed? Okay, I, I, I want to just make sure we're in agreement because I don't want people to feel like I just turned on the microphone to start criticizing something or to, or to just be negative. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to just say this, this is the way it has worked. Now, revival, according to at least one Source is defined like this. Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. Let me read that definition again. Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. So according to this definition, revival is focused on believers. That revival is directed at believers, not unbelievers, but believers first and foremost. I think most would agree with that. I think most would agree with that. Sometimes, depending on where you live, I can't speak for certain parts of the country, but here in West Texas, revival services used to be very, 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 very common. They're still common, but I felt like they were far more common in the past. And it would go something like this. You had the fall revival. usually happens somewhere in October. And that's the one I remember the most. There was always another one. I don't remember what time of year. And you would have a week long of uh, what they would call revival services. And at least from my perspective, from what I remember, and I was, I was, you know, brand new Christian witnessing all of this. It seemed like the focus was getting lost people saved. You have a revival service to bring your lost friends so they were here the gospel and get saved. It didn't seem to me that the revival was focused on what Christians needed, but what lost people needed. That was at least my perspective. It could be wrong. It could be wrong. But it was, it was, that's the way I felt it was being promoted, and that's where the emphasis was. But according to most, revivals actually focused on Christians rewaking them from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. This definition continues. It encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God, an appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for his word and his church, a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin, a spirit of humility, a desire for repentance and growth in righteousness. Revival invigorates and sometimes deepens a believer's faith, 
opening his or her eyes to the truth in a fresh new way. Now, that's according to one source. We could look up multiple sources that define revival in certain ways, but typically it's this reawakening, invigorating, giving a Christian is in a state of dormancy or stagnation in their spiritual life, and then revival hits, boom! And then, wow, there's passion, there's zeal, there's fire, there's conviction, there's repentance, there's a desire to spread the gospel, there's, uh, there's, there's this hunger and desire for preaching and for God's word and, and, and love for people, and it's this amazing emotional thing that occurs. Now, and now some people may say, wait a minute, wait a minute, should we define it as emotion? I understand that there can be some disagreements on how we define this, but I think most can agree that it's directed towards Christians and it should have major positive spiritual impact on them when true revival occurs. All right? Now that's 11 minutes, 11 minutes trying to give us an idea of what it is. Now, here is what I want you to think about. There have been lots of revivals that have supposedly occurred, or I'm going to just say it this way. There have been lots of revivals that have occurred in the history of Christianity. Now, is every revival a true revival? Some, I think, almost try to say any revival is a true revival. Some would say, no, 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 not a true revival. I think we could agree that some revivals are actually apostate. They're actually dangerous. So how do you know the difference between a true revival and a false revival? Some will say, well, a true revival will not be as focused on emotion as much as it will be focused on something else. Others will say, no, 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 the emotion can be there. That to me gets into a subjective back and forth, back and forth. Here's what you have to do. Whenever revival supposedly breaks out, wherever revival is, right? I don't care how many people are there. I don't care how many people are laying on the floor weeping and crying. I don't care how many people are supposedly repenting. I don't care if the numbers grow every day by a thousand. I don't care all, all the experiences people are supposedly having. I don't care if they're claiming this miracle, this miracle. I don't care if they're claiming hearing things. I don't care any of the claims. I don't care about any of the experiences. And I don't care about the number of people. I don't care if it's two or 25,000. What you have to do is look past all of that. You almost have to just kind of like, nope, not paying attention to that. What is being taught? What is being preached? What is, what is being preached? What is being taught? How are the scriptures being handled? I think there has to be an objective way to look at it. There has to be an objective way. And here's the, this is so important. We have to have an objective standard which to, to discern what is happening. We have to have some way to discern. And, and we can't discern based off numbers or feelings, emotions, or even testimony of life changed. I don't even believe that is grounds for determining the validity of a revival. I know I'm going to get so much pushback on this, but I just believe that. Look, the, I've seen so many times where these supposed revivals happen. Everyone gets emotional and there's all of these stories about this and this and this and this. And, and then sooner or later, it just, it all, it implodes on itself. And guess what? All of those people talking about this, they just go back to right back to what they were. The emotions are gone. The hype is over. The TV cameras have been turned off. Everyone's left. And now everyone's, and it, they go right back to their normal life. In many cases, some cases worse off. I believe there has to be an objective way, not the subjective thing. And I think the only objective way is what is being taught at this revival? What is being preached? How is the word of God being expounded? How is the, the text being exegeted? What, what is action? What is the doctrine behind this? What is the theology behind this? And people are like, no, that's too academic. That's too, that's too cold. We need some, we need the move of the spirit. We need emotion. We need passion, but emotion and passion is wonderful. But emotion and passion, in many cases have literally nothing to do with truth. You can have emotion and passion in the absence of truth. In fact, in many cases, the emotion and passion actually, it, it, it replaces truth. 
Truth becomes secondary and the emotion and the passion and the hype and the event becomes primary. And it becomes about the music. It becomes about the crying. It becomes about the laying on the floor. It it almost becomes about this. It becomes a spectacle in and of itself. The spectacle is, ooh, look at how many people are there. Wow, the numbers are growing. Wow, look at look at all the people on the floor weeping and repenting. It, 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 it comes to, it becomes, it's the spectacle of it. And a lot of times you have to go, well, where's the sermon? Where's the sermon? Where's the sermon? Where's the preaching of God's word? Where's the theology? Where's the doctrine? And then once you start listening to that, then sometimes you're like, oh, my goodness. And you almost want to run in there and say, please, everyone, please get out now. Please, you're being poisoned. You're being poisoned. I hate to say this, but I'm just going to say this, and, and I'm going to offend pretty much the entire country. This is how I see some of these revivals work. The emotion, the experience, the music, the weeping, the crying, the joy, the laughter, All of that really serves as, hey, hey, here's the candy. Why don't you get in the van? It lures you in. And then once you get in the van, they slam the door. And then you are theologically manipulated and theologically abused. All of that is the, it's the candy. It's what entices you. It's, it's the bait. And you get, you get caught up in the emotion. You get caught up in the feeling. You get caught up in maybe the sense of community or family or, and all of this just, and you're like, this is so amazing. How can anyone question this? How can anyone question the emotion? How can anyone, how dare you? And, And people will get very defensive. And then the next thing you know, they're buying into some whacked out teaching about this or this or this. And they're buying into this crazy theology or this crazy doctrine or this or this and they get manipulated and they get spiritually abused and spiritual abuse is obviously when you're leading people away from the truth of God's word and you're and and guess what you're doing subtly I, I can't show you this but like here in one hand I have the word of God right and the other hand I just have experience I have emotion I have hype I have all of this excitement. I have the spectacle. And little by little, this is what happens. Here's the word of God. They'll still hold up the Bible. They'll still talk about the Bible. But little by little, I'm going to drop it. I'm dropping the Bible. The Bible gets dropped. And guess what's get pl- placed in that other hand? The emotion. And, and it, it supplements. It replaces the scriptures. It's the candy. Come on. Come on. Right here. Come on. Come on. Hey, don't, you have to want this, and then you want it, and then next thing you know, you, you're you're trapped. And once people get caught up in the emotions of it, you can never you can. I remember the whole Brownsville situation. Oh wow, there were some people caught up in that. And any discussions I had with them, it was like, how dare you call this into question? How dare you? How do you, this is a move of God. How dare you? And I'm like, no, this is heretical nonsense. And, and, and oh, and it, it did not, those conversations did not go well. Because, and, and guess what they kept pointing to? The emotion, the zeal, the lives being supposedly changed at the expense of doctrine theology. So whenever I hear of a revival, forgive me, I'm always skeptical. I may, you can, you can say that that is, <laughs> you can condemn me all day and I'm not skeptical. Listen, listen, I'm not skeptical because I think I'm better. I'm not, I know I'm, I look, I'm a, I say it all the time. I'm a sinner in front of a microphone. I'm not any more godly. I am a sinner. I fall short 24 seven. So I'm not coming at this. Like I'm somehow better. What I'm saying is I, I am skeptical because I believe it just offers all of this emotion. And then ultimately when it's all said and done, people are left worse off than they were when it started. Because the emotions, you, we need the word of God. We need correct doctrine, correct theology. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. All of the emotions will only last for a moment and then they're gone. 
And then it's almost like a spiritual letdown. It's almost like a post-revival depression. And so people have to go seeking another experience. And so you get into an experiential kind of Christianity where you're just in a circle. You're running to your next fix. You can either you can either think of it as candy to lure people into the van so they will be spiritually abused, or you can look at it as the as the dealer coming by giving you the free sample. Hey, take a hit of this. It's free. It's free. It's going to make you feel great, and you will feel great. You will feel awesome. You'll feel out of this world. You will experience lots of wonderful things depending on the drug you're taking. You may see things. You may hear things. But the end is never good. It's death and destruction. Spiritually, I think in many cases, it's just, hey, the, the drug is the emotions. And then people get caught into the emotions. And then what are they left with? Emotionalism? Now, am I saying emotions are bad? I'm not saying that. Not saying that. What I'm saying is the only objective way of looking at revivals is to go, what is, what is being preached? What is being taught? And identifying the theology, the theological stream that is dominating said revival. Sometimes you have to look at who's there, who's present. Sometimes, and I think this can be true, you can have a genuine move of God that maybe something is happening. People are repenting. People are crying out for God. People are hunger, uh, have a hunger and a, a desire for spiritual knowledge. But the, the revival gets hijacked, right? Because as soon as, as soon as you get reports of a big revival, all of a sudden, guess what you get reports of? Certain people are on their way there. And a lot of times the people who are on their way there are heretics, who will take maybe what was genuine and hijack it with their own theology and their own false teaching. And the people are vulnerable for the false teaching because of the genuine experience. So in this case, the experience could be genuine, but it's going to be hijacked. In some cases, I don't know how genuine the experience may be, but the, the experience serves as the drug, as the candy to lure you in, and then you get caught up in it, and then you get caught up in, in basically emotionalism. Now, why have I spent 22 minutes expressing my concerns? Well, it's because of this. Starts now. Good evening, I'm Larry Smith. Glad you're with us here on this Friday evening. What began as a routine chapel service at Asbury University has turned into something much bigger. Now people are coming from other cities and colleges to be a part of what's happening. Sean Moody explains in tonight's LEX 18 Big Story at 11. On a Friday night at Asbury University... A chapel service doesn't really seem all that unusual. For the people here tonight, though, this is something different. There's just, like, not even words to describe it. Because it's not really a Friday service at all. We've been here 56 hours. This is what a 10 a.m. Wednesday service has become. It just never stopped. People just never left, never went to class, never went to lunch. And um, then later, people started coming back to chapel. Ava Miller's a freshman. She was here Wednesday morning when this started. She said when it ended at 11, people just kind of lingered and the band kept playing. Since then, people have come in and out continuously, keeping the service going. Administrators have brought in food and water for people. Miller says it's spread beyond Asbury's campus. Last night we had people from Transylvania. We had people here from Asbury, of course, like UK. We had in the middle of the night a bus from Mount Vernon Nazarene College come down with just a bus of like a band of students. 
students that just came. Um, Ohio Christian University, there is a revival that's like breaking out there. Administrators here say this kind of thing has happened a few times over the years. In February 1970, there was one that went on for 144 hours. However long it goes this time, they hope it leaves an impact. And so our prayer is, is that God would be honored and that students' lives would be changed, but all of our lives would be changed. In Wilmore, Sean Moody, LEX 18 News. That is the revival, supposedly, that is happening right now. Uh, a number of people have emailed me in regards to this supposed revival. I have seen lots of video clips from it. All I've seen so far is just basically music, praise and worship, and people are on the floor, you know, with their, you know, with their hands, you know, raised to heaven. You know, I've seen some people crying, people laying hands and praying on other people. Uh, I, I, I've not heard, I've not seen yet, uh, like any video of preaching or teaching or expounding or exegeting the word of God in any way, shape or form. So, so I, I, I don't have then an objective way to judge this so far, so far. Now, I have only begun to scratch the surface. A lot of, of emails and different things were coming in. And I, I think on Discord channels, someone told me about it there. I mean, it was, it was a crazy weekend. I had a seizure, all kinds of so So things are a little blurry. But I just know that there's a lot of interest in this. And I keep seeing articles pop up. For example, this was just a few hours ago. Days-long revival sweeping Osbury University in Kentucky. All right. A revival has reportedly broken out at Osbury University, a small evangelical college in Kentucky, attracting hundreds of people to join for 24-7 prayer and worship, according to reports from students and staff. Now, see, to me, it sounds like it's just going to be prayer and worship. It's not going to be preaching and teaching. Well, then. Okay, good. All right. Someone is reporting that they did hear people lined up behind a mic reading scripture, but I've not heard any preaching yet. And it would be crazy to hear which scriptures are being read, right? Like, which scriptures are being read? Is there any context? Is everyone hearing those scriptures and claiming them for themselves? Is it like, does it become spiritual anarchy and chaos? Now, at the same time, listen, 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 listen. I don't in any way want to be negative about the emotion. I'm hoping the emotions are genuine. I'm hoping the emotions are real, but I am getting reports that there's some people headed there that I would 100% label as heretics. Now I have not confirmed for sure that they're there, they're on their way or that they have arrived. So I'm not in any way, shape or form. I'm not in any way, shape or form going to uh, name their names as of yet. Because they may show up, and I don't know how, how this whole thing is being controlled, but maybe people, people, people like that. You're welcome to sit there and listen, but no, 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 no. You're not t- getting a microphone. No, 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 no. You're not taking the stage because because I I, I think there will be a prominent. Typically, I mean, I could be wrong. And this is just speculation. Someone will rise as kind of the face of it. Someone will kind of rise as the face of this revival and they'll become the dominant voice. They'll be the one doing most of the speaking, maybe the preaching, the teaching. And then I think, and it's going to be crazy how this, and, and, or this could just all end. It could just all end, right? May, I mean, the weekend is over. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's Monday, maybe, maybe by Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I don't know. I don't know. Or now that this is getting all of the attention, it's actually going to start growing and growing. And if it starts growing, I just feel that some one person will be like, no, they're going to be. I don't know who's going to be handed in a sense, the, the 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 microphone, the mantle. Here you go. And they become the face of it there. Whoever they are, their theology will become the dominant theology that begins to define the Osbury revival that's supposedly sweeping and Osbury University in Kentucky. Now, if anyone is a listener near Osbury University in Kentucky, by all means, go. Report. I want to know what's going on. And I want a genuine uh, uh, report. I want, I want an accurate report. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to immediately call this 
a negative thing, but I'm just saying that we have to be on the lookout because, because right now I see emotionalism and I know, I know a lot of people will like, because you just want a dry, dead orthodoxy. You just want your doctrine. You want your theology. You want the T's crossed and the I's dotted. You want exegesis. You want exposition. You, you don't care about this, this encounter with the living God. This is what we need. We are done with your dead orthodoxy. And I and I remember having these exact conversations with with uh, some ladies I worked with when I worked at Texas Instruments, having a huge argument over. No, we don't need any more dead orthodoxy. We're tired of that. We need we need a move of God. And I'm I was I was a teenager at the time, and they were much older than me. And you know who was I to argue with them? But I just like your people are whacked. I don't know what you're talking about. You go get your emotion. I'm going to go read a systematic theology. All right. So I, I don't, I don't know why I never got caught as, 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 as emotional a person I am. It's just weird how I was so standoffish to that. You think I would have just come running right to it. Oh, emotion, crying. That's me. But no, I was always kind of like, nope, 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 nope. Because I guess for me, Christianity was the, was more about truth than it was about emotion. That's, that's to me, but I just feel that the emotions, they, they serve as the candy, as the bait. I'll read a little bit more from this story. A revival is reportedly broken at Osbury University, a small evangelical college in Kentucky, attracting hundreds of people to join for 24-7 prayer and worship, according to report, reports from students and staff. A regular chapel service that began Wednesday morning at the campus of about 1,600 students turned extraordinary when a group of students stayed behind in the university's auditorium to continue worshiping. The message that morning had focused on confession, repentance, and love and action based on Romans chapter 12. All right, so at least we know where the first sermon was. I would love to hear that. God began pouring out his love among the students in a profound way. Osbury Theological Seminary Vice President of Formation Mike Barnes wrote on Facebook. Now, this is what we should, I would be interested. Osbury, Osbury uh, Theological Seminary. What do we know about their theology? Right, I mean, I, th- I think it. I think it's. I think it would be good to know, right? If this is connected to Osbury Osbury Theological Seminary, if it's if it's connected to Osbury Theological Seminary, then we probably need to investigate the theology of said seminary. Maybe orthodox, maybe great, maybe wonderful, maybe perfect, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is because I'm not familiar necessarily with that theological seminary. Maybe I should. Yeah. It's a Methodist school. Okay, it's a Methodist school. All right, thank you. All right, so. That, that at least kind of places it in a certain theological camp. I mean, a lot of modern-day Methodism, I don't know what their doctrine is or theology is, but that's a whole different story, all right? Um, more students join and then more, but here's what, now listen carefully. It's re- it really resonated with us, said Alexandra Presta, an Osbury senior and executive editor of the Osbury uh, Collagen, the student newspaper. We're all encouraging each other to have this posture of radical humility. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And I think that's why it continues. Okay. Now, here we go. Just listen to what's getting ready to happen here. Right? Uh, oh, so um, someone asked if they're right. I don't know if you're right. Uh, someone, I, I thought you were telling me it was a Methodist school. I don't know if it's a Methodist school. I, I, I don't know enough about the seminary to be able to say. So I, I was reporting what you said as if it was fact. Okay. So we don't know for sure if it's a Methodist school. All right. We don't know. But just even if it's a Methodist school, just keep listening because you're going to hear something very specific and, I, and you're going to know which theological stream this comes from. Are you right? Here we go. Presta told the Roy's report that she had initially stepped out of chapel Wednesday morning with the full intention of attending her 11 a.m. class. But once outside the auditorium, she heard the gospel choir continue to sing. Here we go. Wait for it. And I was like, that's weird. Why are they still going? And she said, right then, I felt the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told me, 
go back upstairs. And so I did. So now we know what theological stream that comes from. That's right there within the charismatic stream, right? I mean, there's no way to get around that. God is speaking to us. And, and, and again, it's in quotes. All right. The Holy Spirit told me, go back upstairs. Well, if the Holy Spirit told you, go back upstairs, that's in quotations, right? God spoke directly to this person. So, I mean, so, so, so I, I'm sorry. Immediately, I'm going to be like suspect, suspect. I, I know that's cynical, but I'm like, that's that's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. God speaks to us in his word. And if you're going to say he speaks to me outside of his word, then what's the point of the word? And you say, well, the word is to check this other word to see if it's true. But how do I check? Go back. You know, uh, how do I check? Go back upstairs against the word. Because the word won't say you should go back upstairs or not go back upstairs. So what if she goes back upstairs? And what if this entire revival turns out to be false? Because I've heard lots of people say, God told me to go to Brownsville. God told me to go to Lakeland. Well, those were heretical. <laughs> okay. So God, like there's, how do you judge that with scripture? It's such a, it's such a facade to say, well, we'll judge it according to scripture. That, that, just How about just read the scriptures? Uh, they go on to say, as word spread online, students from nearby universities like the University of Kentucky joined in worship and prayer, Presta said. Church goers also started gathering, not just from Lexington, but also traveling from as far away as Michigan and South Carolina. Well, you, you can't trust anyone from Michigan. All right. Uh, a pastor of West Broadway Baptist Church and a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary told Kentucky Today, and that was a joke about Michigan. Please don't email me. It was a joke. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. It was just a joke, all right? You can trust people from Michigan far more than you can trust people from Indiana. All right, here we go. Pastor of West Broadway Baptist Church and a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary told Kentucky Today that he was encouraged by what's happening at Osbury. We need to pray for the Lord's protection on them, he added, when God said, let us arise and build, Satan said, let us arise and destroy. As of Saturday afternoon, students remained in the chapel singing, praying, reading scripture, experiencing moments of stillness, and sharing personal testimonies. One student dragged a mattress from his dorm to the chapel floor to spend the night there, Presta said. Other people slept against the wall or went home to sleep and returned later, she said. The university and volunteers had provided food and drinks in the auditorium uh, basements at times. All right. Um, Osbury, uh, the website, the Collagen's website, where Presta has posted daily updates on the revival, experienced so much traffic Saturday that it briefly crashed. Osbury president Kevin Brown spoke about John 17 Friday night, a passage that calls for unity. Oh, so that sounds like someone may have preached. Um, so when people see us, they see one accord, Brown said, for this generation, for the church, for the world, for the edification of our neighbor, uh, our neighbor, and for the glory of God, uh, this is not an auditor a use a used auditorium thing. This is an Osbury thing. This is a kingdom thing. Mike uh, Pace, an Osbury alum and creative arts director of Northeast Christian Church in nearby Lexington, has helped lead worship for parts of the revival. He shared on Instagram that Friday evening service was so packed that every seat was taken. People stood lining the walls and side doors. The auditorium seating capacity is about 1,500 people, according to the university website. It's growing. It's growing. It's insane. They're coming from everywhere. She described how people watching the live stream online have sent prayers from not just around the country, but from Indonesia, India, and other far-off places. Older generations remember a revival that swept the college in February 1970, another time of political uh, unrest. Back then, after the dean invited students to share testimonies at the chapel service, students continued worshiping and praying for 144 hours. The college canceled classes for a week. Teams of Osborne students and faculty uh, toured churches and colleges around the country to share about the revival. Uh, Presta said students are aware of the history. Her freshman year at the university cel uh, celebrated the 50th anniversary of that revival. But she added this week's revival is its own unique experience. Most Osborne professors have canceled classes and postponed homework. That's a good reason to have a revival. I'm joking. Okay. Um, uh, 
Uh, so students and staff can participate in prayer and worship, Presta said. With an overreaching theme of love and action, students are praying for specific issues they feel the Holy Spirit is laying on their hearts. This includes families experiencing trauma, people struggling with suicidal ideation and self-harm, people have been hurt by church leaders, and more according to Presta. Well, look, if anyone's having suicidal ideation or struggling with any of these pain, I, uh, with this pain or suffering, I do hope they find help. I do. I do. My fear is they will get a temporary high and then have a spiritual crash. My fear is they will get a spiritual high because they took the spiritual candy and then they will end up being abused by the horrible theology that could come along with it. I'm not saying that there will be. I'm saying that's my fear. I'm saying that is my concern. We'll see. I'm hoping the college will control who is there and who's trying to take over it because I think someone will try to hijack. That's my own feelings. I know that's cynical. I know that's skeptical, but that is my, that is my concern at this moment. Before this week's revival, students had flocked to other worship nights on campus, including Worship Him at Midnight, which uh, started the semester on January the 27th. We're trying to understand God's love to the fullest extent. But see, my concern is you're trying to understand God's love to the fullest extent by what? By studying the love of God in Scripture or by having an experience? Experiences lie. Experiences are misleading when it comes to doctrine, theology, and the church. And that concludes the story. Now, this story that I'm reading comes to us from CHVN 95.1 FM. I'm assuming it's a radio station located somewhere near the college. They took this report from the Roy's report and... um, And Julie Roy's reported on this February the 11th, 2023 at 6.52 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, So that was two days ago. That's when uh, the Roy's report, I said, I said, uh, it wasn't Julie Roy's who reported on it. It was uh, someone else. It was another writer who uh, wrote the original report. But there you have it. And... uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm skeptical. I hope people are drawn closer to God. I hope it leads to people digging into scripture and theology and doctrine. And I hope it leads to, you know, all kinds of wonderful things spiritually. But I just get, I just get worried about these emotional things. I just, I just feel like I've seen too many people take the candy, take the drug, have the emotional experience, and then watch it all come crashing down later. Now, I am going to look here. Um, I'm going to look here. Give me one second here. I'm going to look for Osbury. Give me one second. I'm going to look here. Osbury Theological Seminary. Osbury Theological Seminary. It's a Wesleyan seminary and the historical Methodist tradition located in Wilmore, Kentucky. It is the largest seminary of the Wesleyan holiness movement. It is known for its advocacy of egalitarianism, giving equal status for men and women in ministerial roles and for ordination. So this is a part of the Wesleyan holiness movement. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. All right, if you, um, hang on, I'm going to, we may have just, I think we're seeing some, uh, we're seeing some theological issues, are we not? Yeah, it, it did not take long to start discovering theological issues, did it? Just a little bit of research and all of a sudden, we're right in the mix of it, all right? Um You see here, okay. The Wesleyan holiness tradition anchors on three characteristics, centered, relational, and descriptive, okay? And uh, 
Let's see here. That's not giving me, okay. I, that, that give, that's going to take a lot to uh, work through here. The, holy, uh, the holiness movement is a Christian movement that emerged chiefly within the 19th century Methodism and to a lesser extent, uh, other traditions such as Quakerism, Anabaptism, Restorationism. The movement is historically distinguished by its emphasis on the doctrine of a second work of grace generally called entire sanctification or, wait for it, ladies and gentlemen, Christian perfection and the belief that a Christian life should be completely 100% free from sin. If that is the theological stream this revival is coming from, let's go ahead and call it poison right now. Let's go ahead and call it bad right now. Because if it's connected with that, if that is true, if that is true, I don't know how much of that will impact what's happening within the supposed revival. But if you get the holiness movement, this idea of a second work of grace, entire sanctification or Christian perfection, the belief that a Christian life should be completely free from sin. Oh, we, I'm sorry. We, we have problems. We have serious, serious problems with it. We have serious problems. Now, again, again, this, 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 this just initial discussing, uh, uh, discussing it and researching it and talking about in real time. This is all happening in real time as I'm looking into this. I, I, I'm going to try to do more. I, I apologize for being so late on this. This weekend was not the weekend to try to do anything. It was not. I mean, you, I was, I was having trouble functioning. Okay. So, um, you know, when you have neurological and, uh, seizure issues, it, it, I mean, I, I was having technical problems. So, um, I'm, I'm much better today. Hopefully, hopefully. Now you may be thinking, no, actually you're not. You still are garbage. Okay. I am, but you get the idea. So that's what we, my, I, the egalitarianism. Okay. We can have, we can, we can go with that. To me, what is far more dangerous than the egalitarianism would be the holiness movement. The second work of grace uh, called entire sanctification of Christian perfection. That to me is far more dangerous because you're basically, all these people are going to have an emotional experience and then they're going to be given law, 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 law. You can be perfect. You can be perfect. Be perfect. You can be perfect. You can be perfect. And they're going to, the emotions are going to give away. Then they're going to realize they can't be perfect and all they do is sin. And you get an emo, you get people who are basically emotionally manipulated and who will be hurt. And so when my original illustration that I said would offend people, the emo, all of the emotions and all of the singing, that's the candy. The van that they're going to get put into is this horrible, horrible theology of the second work of grace and entire sanctification of Christian perfection. They're going to be spiritually manipulated and abused. And I stand by that because I think that doctrinal system is horrific and horrible, and I'm against it. And if you're for it, well, you probably won't ever listen to this podcast again, will you? Okay. I, and I, and I'm, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. So I, I cannot say, listen, that that theology is going to dominate the river. We obviously have a little bit of kind of charismatic thrown in, right? The Holy Spirit told me to go back in. And what the Holy Spirit tells you, like there's, there's a little bit of that already happening. So we got a little bit of that mixed in. I have no idea if they're using Hillsong or Bethel music. I don't have no idea about the, the music. I, I'm not as interested in that, but that's another thing we could look at. But the holiness movement, how is that? Is it connected in any, it may not even be connected. And if it's not connected, then don't worry about it. Then, then it's okay. Fine. Don't worry about it. The egalitarianism, well, we'll see if that manifests itself. I don't know. I know when anytime pe people preach John 17 at the beginning of a revival, I get nervous. You know why? Uh, okay. Uh, someone said there is an hour for, uh, there's an hour from this morning chapel service, at least 40 minute mark. There is, there is female preaching. Okay. Uh, okay. So that fits the egalitarianism. All right. That fits that. I just want to know the holiness movement. That to me is far more troubling, but here's the thing. And I, and I, and I will, I'll try to end with this. There's so much I want to say. Because right, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out in real time. But listen to me. And I do apologize at the beginning when I hit the microphone like that. I do apologize for that. Because it's been bothering me now for 49 minutes. Right? <laughs> so, okay. I know you don't care, but I care. All right, so, here we go. Here is my concern. That the emotions will be used as the bait to get people in. And then when people in, they'll get fed 
horrible theology, horrible doctrine, and then it will lead to bad things. That the, once the emotions give way, in many cases, people are left far worse off than they were at the start. Those are, those are my concerns. I am very concerned that this could be connected with a, the, the second work of grace, entire perfection kind of idea. That is very, very, very troubling. Very, very, very troubling. But here's what we're going to have to watch for, right? So a couple of things. We got to be on the lookout for who's coming there because I've got reports of some big names on their way there that I'm not going to report now. You can probably find it on on the Christian Twitter universe, right? Uh, I, 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 ooh, I'm hoping it's wrong, but, but they could show up and just be told to sit in the back or they could take over. We'll see. Or this could all just give away before anything like that happens. But I, I get nervous when I hear that somehow connected with this revival very early on, there was an emphasis on unity, on unity, on unity, on unity, because apostasy hides under the guise of unity. Apostasy hides under the guise of unity. How? Hey, let's all be, let's just... You're different than I. Let's all be unified, right? doesn't matter that I come from a different theological background than you. Let's all be unified. Well, they use unity to cover up their apostasy, their heresy, and then the heresy begins to take over. I want unity, but it's unity and truth. It's unity and truth. Okay, apostasy always hides under the guise of unity. It's such, uh, it's, it's the whole thing. Let's, we're all one. Let's all be one. Now, let me give you a little shot and I'm going to inject you with my heresy. But we're all one. Yeah, no, 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 no. I do, I wish there was unity, but unity has to be based off truth. Unit, look, unity apart from truth. Is simply heresy, okay? okay. That, that's all it is. All right, I'll stop there. There you go. There's my report on the Osbury revival that is supposedly breaking out. Yes, you're going to walk away from this going, man, he's so skeptical and he's so cynical and he's so jaded and all he cares about is orthodoxy. I understand. I understand. But all... Even if you disagree with every word I have said, please, please be careful. Please use discernment and just realize sometimes you're being offered emotion experience at the expense of truth, which will only lead you to spiritual harm. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful day. God bless.